Hello, everybody. My name is Ben Schluter, and welcome back to Chalk Talk, a series in which I interview guests from around the world of NCAA gymnastics. Today's guest is a senior at Yale University from Austin, Texas. She's a history of science, medicine, and public health major. That's all one major, by the way. And a 2023 USAC first team All-American on vault. Please welcome Sherry Wang. Hello, Sherry. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. All righty. Thank you for being here. So let's get started with you. When did you get into gymnastics and why? So I first got into gymnastics when I was three years old. Um, there's like pictures of me kind of like tumbling around the house, having so much energy. And so my parents kind of decided to put me and my sister both in gymnastics just to like try it out. And I guess I stuck with it ever since. So then when did you or someone else realize, hey, you're actually pretty good at this? I think... It wasn't until, so I was doing like the preschool classes and just kind of like jumping around on the gym. Um, And then my coach of like my group at the time kind of saw some potential in me and realized that like I was good at like listening to corrections and stuff like that. And I always wanted to do more. So I got introduced into like our um, like level four team and then kind of went from there. So now when I was reading on your bio, I noticed that it mentioned, I believe that this is correct, and hopefully you can correct me if I'm wrong, you were the first gymnast to qualify to JO Nationals out of your club? Yes. So in, I think it was 2018, my one of my former coaches came back to Austin and started his own gym. And then a lot of people from my previous gym all went there. So that's how I was the first to qualify for, to JOs from my gym. Okay. What was it like, though? Um, In terms of being able to... How did it feel to qualify? Oh, um, it was great. The first time I ever qualified was at my first gym. And I think I'd just been working so hard to get to that point. I always had um, teammates who were older than me um, go off to all these big schools like OU, Arkansas, Berkeley. And so I kind of want to be just like them. And so the first time I ever qualified to nationals, I was seventh out of seven people. So it was like super crazy close. And I think I was like jumping around with my teammate, like crying in their arms, being super excited for me. So. And moving on to the recruiting process, when did that start and how did it start? So um, in Texas, they have these things called like college run showcases. And so ever since around eighth grade, I've been going to these showcases every summer. But I don't think I really ever got noticed until around like entering my junior year of high school. And then on top of that was going to a bunch of like college recruiting camps at like Stanford and UW and just kind of going anywhere I was semi-interested in and so kind of junior going into junior year going to college round um, my coaches started talking to some schools that I were interested in and um, they started reaching out from there so so uh, who did you really hear from um so in the early stages um some of the schools were like Utah State Ball State Mizzou um nc state and brown and um did you end up taking any visits there so i only took a visit um at nc state and at brown okay and you originally committed to nc state on a full ride when was that that was um the spring of my junior year okay and um you're not at at NC State, and you didn't transfer in from NC State. Uh, no. So something must have changed. 
When did Yale come into the picture? Yeah, so um, at that incoming junior year uh, college round showcase, Yale was actually there, and my coaches went and talked to Barb, who was the former head coach here. And at the time, she was she said that I was too young to be recruited, so I thought it was kind of out of the picture, so I didn't really hear from her for a while. And then by that time, I committed to NC State, and then going to the summer before my senior year, um, I got an email from Barb kind of out of the blue being like, oh, we're still interested in you if you want to like talk with us, if you want to pursue this. And so it took a long time for me to kind of think about it, whether I wanted to open back up my recruiting. Um, but in the end, I realized that Yale was an opportunity I couldn't just pass up. And so I started talking with Barb, came on a visit and um, really just fell in love with the school after that. So that's when I decided to kind of change courses and decide to come to Yale so mm-hmm. so yeah because like I'm thinking about it you don't really get that kind of opportunity very much no. ever to go to Yale yeah so it's a pretty incredible opportunity I could see why you couldn't pass it up so now you've been a student at Yale for quite a bit uh what's it like honestly Everyone, like, says, like, they have this revelation here and there, like, wow, I go to Yale and you're looking at the architecture and you're walking around the campus and you're seeing all the tour groups. And it kind of feels surreal at some points of, like, how much history is, like, surrounding you and, like, all the legacy of people before you that you see. So it's actually just, like, an incredible place to be at. And then, um, and that's just, I was asking a lot about, like, the academic side of it actually because like i have no idea what that's like <laughs> i went academics. to lsu <laughs> i went to lsu this is a completely separate experience yeah um in terms of academics it's definitely more rigorous um than you experienced in high school but i feel like a lot of the ap courses that i took in high school kind of set me up for the amount of like coursework and stuff um that they do have here and so also with academics there's so many like amazing and interesting classes you can take by taught by like some of the top professors in their field so it's just sometimes it can get really hard at times but a lot of the times I feel like a lot of Yale students know how to kind of manage their work and um, Yale's really good about like reaching out to students and helping them um, having like office hours and like one-on-one sessions and tutoring and stuff like that so okay so then for you, what is your daily schedule like during the season? So during season, I usually have class. Um, it can be anywhere from 925 to around 215, depending on the day. Um, try to grab a quick lunch here and there with my friends when I can. And then we typically have practice at 245. Um, sometimes goes around to 545. Sometimes we have lift instead of conditioning. So that'll really depend on the day. And then after um, I get dinner with the team and then usually that's when after that is when all of your like extracurriculars are meeting and like all your club meetings are. So I try to get to my club meetings um, and then after that, usually booking it straight to the library to get work done till around midnight ish. So, really jam packed. Eh? I can I can only. So, OK, this is one thing that I just thought about because we're was finals last week. No, so we're currently in reading period, which is like a week of just studying, and then final starts on Friday. Okay, because I haven't had a chance to ask this, but it's been a thing I've wondered. 
what are finals like? Um, they are hectic. I really can say um, your like all your exams are like pretty much back to back at least three hours. Sometimes alongside that you have like papers due for classes and other projects. So it's like everybody when you walk into the library, like every seat is full in the library and it's like you can't even find a spot to get your work done because everyone like feels like they're in the trenches kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was imagining, but it's nice <laughs> to have it confirmed by someone. Um, but there's not only the academic side, which everyone will talk about, it's Gale, uh, but, you know, it's also the athletic side, uh, and specifically what y'all have, because even though it's Yale and it has a bajillion dollar endowment, it's, it's not like a big school like LSU, which has a palace for gymnastics. Um, so what do y'all have for, like, resources as student-athletes? Uh, what do you mean in terms of resources? Like, I mean, like, not only practice facilities, but like in general, um, I don't know where y'all, the first, you know what, the first thing I got to ask about is the Payne Whitney Gymnasium, because it's one of the few things I actually know about Yale, because it's weird. It looks yeah. weird from the outside, at least. <laughs> yeah, so, um, my coach says this all the time, that Payne Whitney is like the oldest, um, gymnasium in the country, and it's also... 11 floors tall so like every floor basically is designated to a specific sport um and so like the sports in pain Whitney are like squash gymnastics swimming um fencing so and so for gymnastics specifically we have um two floors for ourselves so we train on five and we have two separate gyms where one gym has our floor our bars and our beam and then the other gym has our vaults um resi landings we have a resi bar and they're connected by a hallway, so it's really easy to be able to just jump back and forth when you're working on routines. Because before, like three years ago, it used to be that we were split on to floor five and floor eight. So we, so gymnasts had to take the elevator um, to go to different events, and it was super chaotic. Um, but now it's nice that we're all in the same layout. And then also we have we're part of floor four. That's where our locker room is, and that's also where we lift. Okay. Why on earth were they split across that many floors? What the heck? I'm just going to... So... <laughs> Please explain if you can. Yeah, so the gymnastics... So when gymnastics started at Yale um, in like the 1970s, they were put on the eighth floor and bar... There were like these beautiful like glass windows um, on just eight that like Barb was obsessed with. And so... Her biggest passion was like making sure that we had our training facility up there and that's also where the coach's office is um but then over the years it started getting more complicated in terms of like we needed a longer space to fit a runway because they used to run from outside the gym into the gym to vault and so they found us a space on five where it was long enough to put a runway a vault table and have a resi landing since i feel like that's one of the more crucial parts of gymnastics and since we are like five floors up, we can't have a um, foam pit either. So having this resi is like the closest thing we could get. And then during COVID, they decided to kind of switch the layouts and put our training facility onto onto five. Yeah. I mean, I can think of another reason why they might have been able to do that because unfortunately she passed. Like, yes. Like, it's unfortunate because like, and this is a thing that I kind of randomly know and I, I feel like the audience should know this. This is 
you're talking about the longest serving gymnastics coach in the history of the sport. She start the program started in like '68. Like, was there until the last season was the I believe it was the cut short season. Like, this is the most legendary coach you haven't heard of, and um, yeah, that's just a thing people should know about. It's a it's a really interesting thing. Uh, you mentioned COVID though. COVID was a very weird time for everyone, and I want to ask you about it specifically because there were no sports at Yale, not just gymnastics, but anything. And that was your freshman year. What was that like? Yeah, it was very weird. So they had this like phase program when I was here my freshman fall during COVID. And that phase one was only an hour conditioning a day and you had to be masked 10 feet apart and you could only have 10 people max in the room. And unfortunately, at the time, since we had three classes on campus and the sophomores weren't here, we had 11 people on campus. So we had to split our training into like two different sessions since we couldn't technically put 11 people into a room. And so we would just do our conditioning um, an hour a day. And like that was basically it. And so what was called phase two and where you could finally start training skills. But then the first day we went to phase two, another team actually got COVID. So then after that, they shut down all of athletics and everyone had to go into a two week quarantine. Okay, that's um, that is a, that's more strict than anyone ever did. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not shocked. The Ivy Leagues weren't messing around. They didn't need sports necessarily. Yeah. I was like, we have a bajillion dollars. Sports are a cool thing we do, but we don't necessarily need to do it. We need to care about the health and safety of people. And it's kind of interesting to see that, which means that your first season was in your second year at the school. Um, I, that's got to be really weird. Yeah, it. I think the weirdest thing for me and my other teammates another my year is the fact that like we hadn't competed in so long. So I think that was the biggest adjustment. And then also having like your first time competing after two years is in like a college atmosphere and um, JLA is where we compete, John Lee Amphitheater. Um, and so being in like that kind of stage versus club was definitely something very hard to adjust to. And then also like feeling out of shape after like not training consistently um, for two years since being on campus was weird. And then like I had to go train back at my club gym in the spring since um, they made all first years remote. So it was like a weird training situation for like a year and a half. And then um, obviously coming back here and my first week being my sophomore year, I think um, the first week in general honestly made up for it, just being able to like go out and like rep yell on my chest. But it was weird because we weren't allowed any um, people to come watch. So we competed in a completely empty arena. Yeah, because there were still those restrictions. See, it, this is weird as a person who went to LSU where restrictions are a bit less, How to put it mildly, less. Like, yeah, so that's kind of a weird thing. But you mentioned the home gym. Uh, so what is that environment like for a home meet now that there are people? It's honestly like insane. Like my sophomore year, we had Ivy's at home and it was just amazing to have like all of our friends, family, um, even faculty show up to our meets. And um, like we try to pack it as much as possible. So like seeing everyone, you know, just come and support you. And um, especially in the arena, they renovated it. So they have new like um tvs up and scoreboards and everything and new lights so it's so much brighter it's in a crazy 
venue to be a part of, especially because that's where like basketball and volleyball compete too. So it's just amazing in the the energy and the um, volume there echoes. So it makes everything like louder than it typically is, which really brings us a lot of energy when we compete on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yes, the acoustics were the thing I was I was going to ask about that. I love that you brought it up because when I hear the word amphitheater, I do think of the acoustics in there. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, what is your favorite meet? that you have ever competed in during your time at Yale? I think my favorite meet would probably have to be Ivy's at home. Since that was um, the first time for me that we ever won Ivy's. And then for the team as a whole, I think like with COVID and everything, it had been three to four years. So like having everyone at home, having that crowd and that energy, and especially being my first year out of COVID um, was an incredible um, experience for us. Yeah, because I've I've asked about uh, Ivy's before because I also talked to Julia Bedell at Brown. Like, Ivy's is just an interesting experience in general because there is no Ivy League for gymnastics. This is the one chance to get to compete. What's it like with all four teams having kind of a similar experience being able to compete? Yeah, I think it's great, honestly. We do a lot of Ivy matchups, like, with the four schools that have gymnastics during the regular season or during our season anyways so we see them a lot of the time but yeah since we don't get to have like a quote-unquote like ivy championship since we only have four schools it's really nice for us to have um like the ivy league classic rotate in a similar fashion as like a championship and being able to like go head to head um and like kind of get to enjoy that ivy league competitiveness spirit since like every other sport we have it's like a such a big deal to have like the Ivy League championship, but for us, it really isn't. So this is a great way for us to kind of feel that type of competitiveness as well. Mm-hmm. Now, one other thing I wanted to ask about, you have had in your two years of competing, you've had the ability to do individual event finals at USAC Nationals, a thing that no one can do at the other two uh, national championships because they got they did away with individual event finals. What is the experience like at individual event finals compared to, um, like, the team competition? Yeah, for me, it kind of feels almost like the club experience all over again, where it kind of feels like you're just competing for yourself. Since, like, I guess for me, growing up in Texas, a lot of the meets that we had also had, like, the day two individual finals that you qualified to. Um, But it's so great to, like, have my team in the crowd and, like, since like you're one of the few people that are competing in individual event, like all the attention is focused on you and they all want the best for you. And just having them, them on my like sidelines is amazing to have. And also just seeing all the incredible talent across schools, especially at USAGs, since we usually don't see like Lindenwood and SEMO and Air Force. Uh, so it's, it's crazy to be in that kind of um, environment and just like have everyone cheer for you at the time. Yeah, and especially for you, considering this uh, past season they were in uh, Denton at Texas Women's, so about as close as you're going to get for your home in Austin. Yes, it felt like a full circle moment since, um, like for me in Level 7, we would compete at TWU all the time too, so it was really cool to have like my team there and kind of like be back in that sort of arena. Yes, so now moving on to the upcoming season, um... First thing, I got to ask every single person about this. The new one-second rule 
on the non-floor events. How has it been getting used to that? Um, it's definitely interesting, but my coaches have really put an emphasis on like making sure we um, practice it every single day so that it kind of feels like second nature at this point. And so I feel like my team kind of like laughs it off a lot. So like everyone will like dramatically hold it for a long time. And like we just had an inter-squad where the same thing happened and we thought it was like super funny, but the judges like very much appreciated it too. So for us, I feel like it's not that big of a like adjustment to make, but for us, it's like kind of, we like kind of like to make jokes about it and like think it's funny. We like to make this dramatic salute and stuff like that. So not too much of adjustments. Also, I was looking at y'all's schedule. Y'all are going to San Jose this year? Y'all going yes. at San Jose State? Why? Um, so my coaches really like to emphasize um, ever post-COVID that we should have like one competition where we get to fly. And so one of our former uh, assistant coaches actually coaches San Jose State now. So um, I think they talked it over and then decided to have this meet just for like us to be able to go to California is an incredible experience since we don't really get to leave the East Coast. And so like getting to go compete against um, a really good ranked team and be in like California is like an amazing opportunity for us to just kind of like go up against competition we usually don't see. Hi. So now let's talk about team goals for this season. What are they? Uh, especially the... DEC poll just recently came out. I think y'all were ranked third in the preseason poll? Yes. Yeah. So uh, what are the team's goals for this season? I think um, the main things that we've been focusing on, and we touch on this every single day as we, like, open and close practice, um, is really, like, our confidence levels and our commitment. We have the saying called um, FEC, F-E-C, and so it's fight, energy, and confidence. And so every day we're trying to make sure that we hit all three of these goals. So like, is our energy up? Are we cheering the loudest we can for our teammates? Are we invested in every single routine that's happening? Um, confidence in terms of like, if one of our teammates is going up, do we have confidence in them to hit this routine? And do they have confidence in us and that they think they can hit this routine as well? And fight, like making sure that you're fighting for everything possible, whether it's a handstand, a landing, um, a wobble on beam, everything. Because in the end, all these things add up and they all bring up the team as a whole in terms of getting to the bigger goals of IVs, GCs, and stuff like that. And then for you, what are your goals for this season? Um, I think the first goal, I, I feel like this goes for every gymnast, is staying healthy and kind of like enjoying my senior year since this is the last time in the sport for me. So that's like my number one goal is just kind of appreciate every moment I have with the team and kind of like um, appreciate the opportunities I've been given. Um, in terms of bigger goals, though, I think one of our biggest goals is GC since this year it is at home. So that'll be an incredible experience to have. And especially like as our last competition of the season now, um, just putting all of our energy into that and making sure like we're peaking at the right time. So... Wait a minute, what do you mean by last competition of the season now? Um, so we usually go to USAG's um, nationals, but this year I don't think we're going anymore. So now GC's will be our last competition. That is very interesting. Hmm. Okay. That's weird. I don't know why. Yeah. I, do y'all know why that's not happening? Um, 
I don't necessarily know why. Um, maybe something with like I don't. I'm not really sure. So all right, figured I'd ask because I mean that's a that's not. I don't believe I had that in my notes. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, great to end on an uncertainty. Oh wait, I'm not over and done with this yet because as I have done with every single person, I love to give the person I've talked to the last word after a really nice informative conversation. Uh, so for you. What would you like to tell uh, people out there about either Yale as a school or as a gymnastics team or about, you know, D1 teams that aren't at the tippy top? I guess for D1 teams that aren't at the top, um, I know a lot of gymnasts like to think big and bright at like the top schools, like the SECs or the Pac-12, like me growing up was always OU, LSU, Florida. Those were like the big names. But I feel like with other D1 schools like Yale, it's honestly like the same program and sometimes even more, especially like for me, my biggest reason why I came to Yale was that I wanted to be part of a team and that like you got to give your all and kind of participate and like compete more than like one event you could at OU per se, since they have so many top gymnasts. So me being able to contribute on three events here in comparison to other schools I was looking at where I would maybe do one or not at like none at all. So being able to like lead your legacy in that way and just have um, a smaller team since I think Yale has a very small team comparison to every other school in the Ivy League and even in NCAAs in general. So like us having that close knit community where all of us kind of understand our struggles both academically and athletically being um, like at an Ivy League school. So um, I guess to all the people like aim big dream big you never know where like life is gonna lead you especially for me i didn't think it would lead me lead me to this point so and that'll do it for this episode of chalk talk if you want to learn more about sherry beyond gymnastics go read the feature story on the Substack for chalk talk you can subscribe there to get episodes of the show delivered at the same time as the written stories i want to thank assistant director for strategic communications wilma tushak for helping set up this interview the lovely sherry wang for taking the time to talk with me and, of course, Gabby for helping out behind the scenes. Until next time, I've been Ben Schluter, and this has been Chalk Talk. Thanks for listening.